When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? Mr. Shaka Cummings, my partner in crime, Mr. Parker Ainsworth. Welcome to FN Sports, the podcast with two teachers' great sports biggest issues. Mr. Ainsworth. You guys are back in school this week, correct? How was your week, sir? <laughs> back in school this week, digitally. You've got another week of being digital, and then we are phasing in slowly being in person um, after that. I say slowly. I guess it, it is all in the course of a week after Labor Day. But So things are ramping up here. It's a little bit busy here in Dallas. How are things in Kentucky? So we had our first full week of school, but we're doing the slow start thing where we only go to school for half the day and we only have half the kids. That wraps up next week. So next week we have to do lunch. We have to do recess. So we got to figure all that stuff out. But um, I think I'm doing well. Uh, so far, so good. Let's talk gold stars and detentions. Mr. Ainsworth, you want to hit us with a gold star? Yeah, so my first gold star goes to uh, former NFL wide receiver Marquise Colston. I mean, obviously he was a big part of the Saints when they made their runs in the mid-2000s and late 2000s. But... Colson now is an adjunct professor at the University of New Orleans, he announced on oh, Twitter wow. That's uh, awesome. this fall. So congrats to Colston on A, continuing your education post-football, obviously, and B, on a great gig. You know, you get to stay in New Orleans where you've clearly made a home and you are a big name in a good for a good reason. And, you know, as two teachers, I think we'd both point out, like, Way to, way to find your way into the career. <laughs> no, absolutely. Welcome to the profession, dude. Yeah. It is not easy to get a PhD, so congrats to him. Dr. Colston. Do we have to call him Dr. Colston? Do you know what he's teaching? I wonder if he has a master's um, in his own college stuff or if he has the PhD. I don't, I don't. So I have no idea what his educational background is outside of he obviously has some second degree. Um, but it just he announced on Twitter that he is excited to start and as an adjunct professor at the U of New Orleans this fall. Um, it'll be an interesting but challenging semester, and I'm ready for it or something like that. So, like, he's he's That's ready awesome. for whatever's coming, but I'm excited for him. No, absolutely. And the reality is it doesn't matter. All his students are going to call him Dr. Colston, even if he doesn't have the degree <laughs> anyway, because it's college. That's just what we do. Uh, my gold star is going to go to Lute Olsen, Clifford Robinson, and Chadwick Bozeman, three well-lived lives that were unfortunately taken away from us this past week. Lute Olson, former head basketball coach at the University of Arizona. I record from Lexington, Kentucky. We actually have some negative memories about the Arizona team that he led to his first national championship because it was a huge upset 
uh, back in 1998. Uh, Miles Simon and Mike Bibby, that team took out a UK team that was not expecting to lose. That being said, Lute Olsen, one of the great college coaches of all time. So many great NBA players who played for Lute, including the guys who I just mentioned, and Miles Simon, Mike Bibby, um, Sean Elliott. So just any Arizona Wildcat who we think of basically got their start under Lute Olsen. So um, definitely he was 85 years old. He obviously lived a, a long and uh, well-lived life, but sad to lose him. Sad to lose Clifford Robinson, who was the first NBA player that I remember watching that I, it was clear that even though he came off the bench, he was better than the dude who was starting in front of him. Um, Portland went to the finals in 92. They had Cliff Robinson coming off the bench and Buck Williams starting. And it was like, you should start Clifford Robinson. That dude's better than <laughs> Buck Williams. But it's not about who starts the game. It's about who finishes the game. And Clifford Robinson finished plenty of games. Uh, he was an all-star. As a guy who was coming off the bench, so think about how good you have to be to be a bench guy. And they still start you in the all-star game. Or they still play you in the all-star game, I should say. He's a six-man of the year. Incredible. And then, of course, uh, the loss of Chadwick Boseman, Black Panther, Wakanda forever. And, you know, the first time he was actually on my radar as an actor was actually in 42, the movie about Jackie Robinson. Well, I thought he did an incredible job. And I'm a huge comic book nerd, so I loved the Black Panther movie. And I think that folks have heard from uh, black people for the last few years about the representation in movies and looking at what Black Panther represented and how powerful that was. And... Uh, really, it's kind of started a bit of a trend in uh, big feature films. I'm thinking of like Crazy Rich Asians and some of these other films where they really looked at people of diverse backgrounds and really really speaking to them in terms of uh, the films and really uh, portraying them in a positive light. So Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace, certainly. Gold star to those three well-lived lives. Well, and I, I will say, like, I think I tweeted this from my, my work account the other day, but I don't. I don't know of an actor I can say had more of an impact on my classroom. We both teach younger kids, right? Um, middle school age kids that still like dress up for Halloween and like, but they Absolutely. don't want to dress up in like, you know, like SpongeBob. They want to dress up as more like cool characters, whatever. And like, I can guarantee you every year at Halloween since the movie was like first like discussed as an Avengers movie, like Chadwick Boseman has had an impact on you know black kids in our classrooms that want to be black panther at halloween like it's a cool thing it's like a chance for them to be the same comic book nerd and they can see themselves in the comic book stories and it's very very powerful um absolutely and not even just black kids it was crazy how many white kids i saw as black panther and i was just like that's that's really cool right it transcends even race yeah, shout out to Chadwick Boseman. Uh, definitely a well-lived life, and he had a lot of connections to sports as well, as we're starting to see from different athletes who are uh, acknowledging his life and uh, his tragic passing from colon cancer. Mr. Ainsworth, do you have another gold star for us? My last gold star goes to a, I'm sure it's receiving controversial takes on Twitter if you look at the feed, but Bomani Jones' article this week came out in Vanity Fair or on Vanity Fair's online edition publication um it is super long i think it's like he said in a podcast it's near 4,000 4,500 words just talking about college football and this idea of compensation and things like that but it as a history teacher i want to point out how many things it ties to the history of i will say working people in this country getting underpaid especially when they look a certain (laughs) way and we'll leave it at that and um i think if you see the you know the picture on at the headline like the header picture is a football player lined up across from someone bluntly picking cotton 160, 200 years ago. And it is very, very clearly 
you know, drawing parallels between people working and not getting paid. And I think it's an important article as a history teacher. So shout out to Bomani for the research it took to do that because that was, I'm sure, not an easy task. Separate but connected. I had this like minor traumatic moment yesterday when I looked at uh, the cotton ball package that my wife had in oh, our God. bathroom. And it's just like, all it is is a cotton stalk. And I just looked at it and I'm like, wow, that's... Anyway, as a black man, sometimes these <laughs> yeah. things are just triggering, you know, and you don't even realize yeah. it. Um, Mr. Ainsworth, how about you go ahead and hit us with a detention? Yeah, so my first detention goes to the Indiana Pacers because I'm not sure why they fired Nate McMillan. I, I don't <laughs> Because they and, want D'Antoni. Houston does <laughs> well, it, but they do. <laughs> and so I understand that they think they're going to potentially make some upgrade this, you know, offseason. He wanted to say this summer, but this offseason – and I get that, and I get that Nate McMillan is not like a top five coach in the NBA, but he certainly overachieved with what the Indian Pacers were dealing him. And they also had just offered him an extension recently, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I get that they want a shot at a D'Antoni or, you know, maybe Gentry or whomever, but it just, to me, it's like you need to make sure you can get those guys in the meeting room first. Like, this is... I'm not, I'm not sure I'd have done this quite this fast, but that's what they did. And so I'm giving a detention to Indiana because I think they needed to slow their roll a little bit. Their coach was doing pretty well given the cards he was dealt. Okay, quick story. When I was a kid, I collected all sorts of sports cards, including basketball cards. <laughs> I read in the Beckett magazine that you could actually send your cards to NBA players, and there's a potential they would autograph them and send them back. So as an experiment, I sent basketball cards to four players, Chris Webber, Reggie Miller, Joe Dumars, and Nate McMillan. Of those four <laughs> players, Reggie Miller never responded. He's a jerk. I'm a New York Knicks fan, so he was always a jerk. Uh, Chris <laughs> Weber, he sent back a an application to his fan club, which was not what I was asking for. Uh, Joe <laughs> Dumars sent back my card and sent back an autograph, but he autographed an index card, not the actual card. So it was like, hmm, okay. And then the only one of those four players who sent back a signed card for me to keep in my collection i still cherish it to this day is nate mcmillan so i hope that he gets a job somewhere in the nba my detention sure. is going to go to fans of the university of kentucky athletics who are giving players a hard time based on their responses this week within the realm of civil rights keon brooks who's a basketball player for the uk men's basketball team has been outspoken and saying that the name on Rupp Arena should be changed based on the racial history of Adolph Rupp, which if you're unfamiliar with, for years, he said he wouldn't let a black player play for him. And then eventually he was forced to go back on that. The basketball team has not been as outspoken as Keon, but John Calipari did come to Keon's defense, so shout out to him. The football team took a couple of days off of practice this week in order to talk about social justice uh, and there were fans who were killing them on Twitter saying that they won't root for UK football anymore. And, you know, if if you conflate these things and you decide that your fandom is no longer going to be uh, lent toward the University of Kentucky, uh, let me be the first to say, don't let the doorknob hit you with the good Lord split you. You can hop off the bandwagon. <laughs> we will not miss you. Well, and. Kentucky is not the only fan base having a reaction like that this week. You know, I, I saw it on plenty of Twitters I'm on. But I'm sure as a Kentucky guy, you're sitting here like sitting in Lexington like, what's going on? <laughs> like, as a black man, alum of the University of Kentucky, I've never been more disappointed in the fan base with some of these individual reactions. 
And that being said, my thing has always been this. I've always said this. If you are someone who's going to react negative to me based on my race, I'd want to know that up front. So if you're a racist, I just want to know it up front. Then I know how to deal with you. So all these fans who want to hop off the bandwagon, bye. We'll see you later. That's fine. There's more room in Commonwealth. Maybe I'll be able to get some more tickets at a UK men's basketball game all of a sudden. So we'll let you go. Uh, Mr. Ainsworth, you got a final detention for us? Yeah, my last detention this week goes to actually two members of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, anyone who's listening to this podcast or follows us on Twitter or whatever knows I'm a pretty big Rockets guy. I, I, come on. Now, now after Oklahoma City's won a couple of games, you're going to give them detention. <laughs> no, not for winning games. Not for winning games. For Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder having this affinity with hitting people below the belt. That's oh, not okay. legal no, in fighting fair. sports. <laughs> like, you can't do this in boxing. We're not going to hit people where they should be wearing a cup or whatever in basketball games. Especially not like swinging your arms relatively intentionally looking. I know people are like, well, Harden kicks his legs out sometimes. Like, the, you can't, you're not controlling your feet when you're throwing your legs out to get a foul, or whatever. That's not quite the same thing as running into a screen and throwing your elbow into a dude's groin or trying to like create separation, but using it with a fist to the dude's belt buckle. Like, those are way, way, way too close at best. And like last night, we recorded on a Sunday. And so Saturday night, Schroeder and PJ Tucker both get tossed from the game. As much as PJ Tucker does for Houston, the offense in Oklahoma City kind of stopped when Schroeder was out of the game, right? But um, PJ Tucker got up in his face and reacted just like any other person would have reacted. Like, what are you doing swinging there? Man? Um, you do have to be careful. You are, you know what? I was going to get on to you because I de- I genuinely thought it was going to be some sort of homer take. No, you're right. I'm going to throw myself in detention next week. I'm throwing myself in detention next week. You don't swing below the belt. That's not something you do in sports. Uh that's just a general courtesy kind of thing. Uh, that so. is way more than a general courtesy. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we are going to do a very special version of F in Sports. Normally, we do multiple thesis statements, but the reality is the only sports story that really needs to be discussed this week is Jacob Blake and the reaction in the sports world to his attempted murder by the police in Kenosha, Wisconsin. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Mr. Ainsworth, without further ado, are you ready to go, sir? Ready when you are, Shaka. Okay, Parker, so the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we, we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make bombs, they even have have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, our thesis statement this week references Jacob Blake and the influence he's had across the spectrum of sports. The thesis statement is this. Jacob Blake 
will be remembered as the most influential figure in sports in 2020. How do you grade that thesis statement? I, I think I got to give it an A plus. And like, I, I know I've given other theses an A plus, but I think this is as strong as I feel about an A plus in a long time, just because of the week we just had. Uh, but uh, Shaka, what do you think? It is hard because when you think about 2020, it's the year of COVID. When you think about the civil rights movement, I tend to think George Floyd. And I think that I agree with you based on the reactions that we saw in sport and based on what seems to will be the result of this week. I'm feeling like Jacob Blake might be the MVP. I think I'm going to go A+. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, normally when we both agree, <laughs> the there's not a lot of fervor, there's not a lot of emotion in terms of what we're <laughs> going to say. I get the sense, though, that there's going to be a little bit more emotion this week as we talk about Jacob Blake, with the thesis statement being that Jacob Blake will be remembered as the most influential figure in sports in the year 2020. We both said A+. So talk to me about what you're thinking. Well, and so if the thesis is looking at influence over sports in 2020, um, you're not just looking at the NBA or the WNBA or the NFL or Major League Baseball or anything, right? I think that if I'm being frank, part of the reason Jacob Blake's name would be a leading candidate in this as opposed to other names that have become hashtags this summer would be because sports were happening while Jacob Blake's name was circulating, right? And so that is that is important. So I don't mean to act like these athletes wouldn't have done something in you know, Memorial Day weekend and George Floyd was going on or uh, Breonna Taylor's name earlier was going on. Obviously, WNBA is still doing things for Breonna Taylor and people are still citing George Floyd and those things are still happening. Um, just Jacob Blake's name coming up during play like while there is literally an NBA bubble and while there's little literally MLB games happening every day. The the truth is, is I think that it's it's the one name that carries across all of the sports. And so each pro sports league will have some tie to his name um, after the week that was. And so that's why I sat here and gave it a high thesis or a high grade for the thesis. Um, before we get too much further, I want to hear your explanation because we both gave it a plus. So are you on a similar basis or what are you thinking? Yeah, absolutely. And the spectrum of sport in which Jacob Blake's name was used and the influence that he had this week, that's what was stunning to me as well. So I think that many folks think of basketball as being progressive when it comes to the Black Lives Matter civil rights movements. I don't know that it's that surprising to see basketball players want to boycott. I don't even know this. That's surprising to see it from the WNBA. Frankly, it's almost expected from the WNBA based on the way that that league has conducted itself with regard to civil rights. The influence that it had on baseball, I wasn't expecting the Seattle Mariners to cancel their game the evening that the NBA decided that they were going to boycott. Like, I wasn't expecting that. And multiple teams did that. I wasn't expecting hockey to recognize that they were late to the party and decide we're not playing games Thursday. We're not playing games Friday. Like hockey, guys. Hockey is not the sport that I tend to think of when I think of progression when it comes to civil rights issues and Black Lives Matter. And they stepped up. They might have been late, but at least they were there, right? Well, not always there when you call, but they're always on time, right? Um, <laughs> nice and so reference. just the influence that was had over multiple sports. I mean, that was the thing that was so powerful to me for folks to say, you know what? We're not playing.
because we have to talk. Football teams canceling practices, and as two football coaches, we know how difficult it is to get a practice canceled. Like, literally, they could be lightning on the horizon, and we are forced to cancel practice, but we'll keep going until the lightning detector goes off, right? Like, it is right. difficult to cancel football practice. Multiple teams either canceled their practices or said, we can't even go out to practice until we have this conversation. Props to whomever was making that happen, whether it was the coaches, the players, like, in my mind to hear all these different sports that were touched upon. That was the piece that was so powerful to me. And as you pointed out, that's not to say that if sports were going on, that it wouldn't have happened with George Floyd. That's not to say that other incidences of injustice in this country haven't led to powerful reactions. This was one that I wasn't anticipating that the breadth of reaction would come. The widespread nature of it was stunning to me. And there are going to be lingering impacts from the actions that happened Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And so that as well uh, makes it very powerful, makes it very influential, and that's why I go A+. So we record on Sundays, and last Sunday, like we record Sunday afternoon and then wake up Monday morning to the news of Jacob Blake, and there's like somewhat of a sports reaction happening across the globe, and I'm like, oh man, like 24, 48 hours later, and we would have been able to like give a bunch of gold stars out, right? Because like Monday afternoon, the Thunder have a big win, and immediately following the game, Chris Paul, like not even off the floor, still dripping in sweat from having a big win, is immediately talking about Jacob Blake. Right. And like there, I was actually making lists throughout the week of like the Detroit Lions on Tuesday made a big, big, you know, a very interesting gesture in canceling practice, going to the media availability and just writing it on a whiteboard and flipping it over. And like, this is what's important to talk like, about. Right and now. folks, again, who are associated with football coaching, you know that that's actually a really powerful statement because there are whiteboards everywhere. That's what we normally would use for practice. And they're right. like, nah, we're jacking the whiteboards. We're taking the expos. And this is more important than the X's and O's. A very powerful statement. And so, like, the first 48 hours, I was sitting there like, oh, man, you know, if, if we recorded on different days or if this had just happened fall a different day, we'd have had a chance to talk about it much closer to the action. And, and not, not to be, like, selfish with it. I just had – everyone has these thoughts and emotions and things to talk about it. And now that we're recording on the following Sunday, I'm actually relatively happy and glad that we got to see the week that was before talking about this because we're seeing this large-form reaction to it. Frankly, it's not all positive. We'll get into that some too, I, I think, in a second. But um, it's it's just it, the way it spanned across sports, like we both said to this point, is fascinating. And I think it's interesting that it, it really did start with the Milwaukee Bucks. This is in their backyard. Kenosha, Wisconsin, and Milwaukee, Wisconsin, are like thirty-three miles apart, right? So this is like in their sphere of influence. The Bucks. It looked like to me when they were going to not play on Wednesday. I kind of think, Shaka, they were ready to just take a loss. And that was kind of, it seemed like They were ready the to game. take the loss. Orlando yeah. was warming up. They didn't talk with Orlando. They're just like, y'all can have this one because and maybe think, that'll send the message. I think it's interesting that other teams almost got upset. Like, how could you go into this alone? But I think Milwaukee's initial stance, like you're saying, was like the powerful message here is going to be, we're taking a loss. We're not playing today. And if that means we lose the series somehow and something crazy happens, so be it. We're not doing this. I'm not even sure if they had taken the forfeit that they would have lost the series, right? But theoretically, that does put them one step closer. And, and they were there. And I think it's interesting that the rest of the NBA – or I say the rest of the NBA, the other 15 teams in the bubble at the time 
were like, no, 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 no. You don't get to do this on your own. We're going to do this as a whole. And I think that was some of the tension, it sounds like, in their meeting Wednesday night. Um, lots of good reporting out of Malika Andrews and Chris Haynes and folks from the meeting in the Disney bubble on Wednesday night. But it sounds like there were several players that were just like, guys, you had to tell us. Like, we needed to know this was what we were doing. Is that how you heard that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I will say that, you know, for me, as I was reading through the reports, the most interesting part wasn't necessarily the response to the Bucks because when you hear George Hill say, like, guys, we weren't expecting everyone to do this. We just felt moved that we needed to do this. So to hear George Hill say that, okay, I get that piece. The most interesting piece that's coming out of what happened in that that bubble meeting, number one, the Lakers and Clippers were like, we're done. They were ready to walk. We're not playing anymore. The two Vegas favorites. They are the championship favorites. We can argue about the best players in the bubble, but it's inarguable that LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard are amongst them. And they were like, we're done. I'm not playing anymore. And they were willing to walk. The two other pieces that were incredibly powerful as we start to get more reporting. The influence that Michael Jordan carries with players as well as with his fellow owners. And for him to be the conduit for communication where players feel comfortable saying, Michael, this is what needs to happen. And then Michael feels comfortable going to owners and saying, hey, listen, this is what I'm hearing. And the perspective that he's able to offer, not just as a black man, but also as a player to this conversation, I think is incredibly powerful. The last piece is to find out that the players reached out to former President Barack Obama to say, hey, listen, this is what we're talking about doing. And for former President Obama to lend his voice to the conversation, to lend his voice to the players, this is what I'm talking about in terms of influence. Jacob Blake and the response to the attempted murder by the Kenosha, Wisconsin police force had the NBA ready to shut it down, had Michael Jordan jumping in and being a public, more public figure than he has been. I mean, basically, it's the last dance and this. Otherwise, you don't even know what Michael Jordan's doing and brought Barack Obama into this conversation. So, like, incredibly powerful, influential. This is just from the NBA side. We haven't even touched on some of the other responses in other sports. Well, I think the NBA is the one we're focused on because they were, again, with the Bucks kind of being at the front of it. And they, again, are in the playoffs and did this first and have been very vocal about it since. And it's not that other leagues aren't vocal about it. It was just interesting to see how each different league took it. Um, it's also, like you said, a league that is not immune to these kinds of protests. If you go back and look at the protests happening in the wake of the George Floyd murder, you do see a lot of basketball players masked on and everything, but like you see Giannis and Westbrook and DeMar DeRozan and who else is, was big? I mean, uh, Damian Lillard, all Damian Lillard of in folks. Oakland and lots of guys in the middle of protests, right? There, it's not that this is not something that they were already doing. And Jalen Brown is one of those guys that was in those protests and actually drove from the Boston area down to uh, Atlanta to be a part of it. Geographically, he ties much closer to Atlanta personally. And so when he is tweeting about amidst on Tuesday when the Raptors and Bucks had kind of, or the Raptors and Celtics have kind of said like, are we really going to play a playoff game on Thursday? What are we going to do? He was tweeting 
Tuesday night and Wednesday morning about like, I just want to go be a part of the movement happening right now. Like he, that was where his passions lie. And Jalen Brown might've only been at Cal for one year, but I, I would estimate that if just looking at his, how intelligent he is since then, that he, he could have finished up at Cal at well under four years if he really wanted to stay there and go do the school thing. It's I mean, just, he had a much... you think about a school like Cal, Berkeley, and their history. I mean, obviously, they had a tremendous influence on him in terms of some of these different philosophies that he's developed around protest and around the effectiveness of it. Completely. Well, I, I would just say, like, it, there's a reason a guy like him picks a place like Cal, even if he's just a one-and-done. Um and they're, you know, they don't get the five-star guys coming through to be one and done as often as not to knock on your, Kentucky's great. I'm not trying to knock Kentucky's education. It's just not quite the same place, right? Doesn't have the history of protesting on campus and those kinds of things. And so Jalen Brown leading it vocally from that, Fred Van Fleet had an emotional interview. I believe it was Tuesday evening, but about me getting my timelines mixed up. He might've said it Wednesday morning um, about the same kinds of things about how, you know, this is important to us as men, not as basketball players and that takes priority right i also think it's interesting to see non-current as a non-current older nba guys coming through you had you know bill russell showing his support bill russell also boycotted games in his past to lead social rights movements right um you know i i wrote my my master's thesis and i looked at he and kurt flood and kareem and ali as like this wave of athletes that protested by doing more than playing right they were not just guys that uh like their their social justice was not just like i am integrating a league or i am doing this or i am the first to do such and such it was like i am here and i'm going to intentionally do this right and so very very interesting for guys but bill russell in doing that research because of racism in boston was like look we're not playing in celtics green tonight we're not we're not wearing boston on our chest tonight we can't do that and i think that's important to see that guys that did this in the 60s are supporting the guys that are doing it now Incidentally, I don't know if you know this, but I played baseball in high school with Kurt Flood's nephew. Dude could ball. <laughs> He's a great pitcher. Dude could really play. Great genes. Um, uh, you know, another powerful voice, Doc Rivers. When I heard Doc Rivers and the emotion that he had after the uh, the, the Clippers-Mavericks game, I, that I mean, that left an imprint on me. The things that he said in terms of how much black people love this country that doesn't love them back, the 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 message of why is it that the NBA has to fix all this? Like, I just want to coach and I can't because all these things happen. And there was, it was so potent. It was so powerful. It was so raw. And all of it felt like, man, it's resonating. It's res- everything Doc's saying. Like, yes, yeah. absolutely. And so, yeah, the messages from folks who, are in the bubble who have to, I mean, the sacrifices that they're making for our entertainment, I get it. They make millions of dollars. Like, I understand that you don't have to feel sorry for them. And I'm not saying that you should. These folks, they're not seeing their families. They're dealing with the traumatic events that are happening outside the bubble. Many of them would be on the front lines trying to handle this situation in their communities. And they're not able to do that because they're in the bubble. And it's when you start putting all these pieces together, Parker, it's almost surprising that they decided to come back. Like, it's almost surprising to me that they said, OK, we'll, we'll go ahead and finish this season. So Which again, tells you how influential Michael Jordan and Barack Obama are amongst these players, because with both of those figures, the message was we think that you can have tremendous impact if you finish the season. I think that is interesting. 
So what do you think about this? So you see the take a lot in the last week that, well, Kyrie was right. We should have just never come back here. And George Hill said something to effect when he is really emotional and pissed off on Tuesday, the day before they actually boycotted um, when he was like, we shouldn't be in this place or whatever, right? Um, I wonder if it actually would have, if seeing them protesting in their hometowns not playing basketball would have the same effect. Because it kind of functioned more like to me, and please correct me if you think I'm wrong, but it functioned to me like almost like, for lack of a better phrase, like a drug addict. Like we've been sitting here getting basketball for so many hours a day, sometimes starting at early as noon, all and the way through midnight. we have been jonesing for it. Like, like, like and a we real have been theme. sitting here every day. Basketball's happening in the back of whatever I'm doing all day long, right? Um, even if I'm not paying super close attention, it is something that is happening on the TV with noise off in the back of whatever I'm doing, right? And all of a sudden, it stopped, right? It's like if you've got someone who's got an addiction and then you just cut it. It's like, whoa, 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 where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? And like, I, I feel like that was a part of the power is that we had a break from sports and then we got sports back in like crazy high quantity and then it just stopped, right? And once it just stopped, we had to realize it's stopping to have a certain conversation. They definitely made a lot more people say Jacob Blake's name based on this scenario versus if the players weren't in the bubble and they were out there on the front lines protesting. At least in my opinion, I, I agree with that sentiment. And there's a couple of things that you threw out there, so I want to make sure that I kind of touch on several of them. The parallel between what happened in March when we found out Rudy Gobert was, you know, patient zero. Like, the same way, sports. We're just enjoying it. We're just in the midst of it. And then all of a sudden, it just stops. And it is stopping because there's a much more important conversation to have than sports. Now, at that time, it was global pandemic. But that's what it felt like. It felt like we were just in the midst of everything. And then all of a sudden, the plug is pulled. And everyone's going to have to reflect, man. We got to sit down. We got to talk about this because this conversation is more important than basketball. The other thing that stood out for me was you mentioned Kyrie Irving in particular. And if this were a more traditional episode of our podcast, I would have threw us both in detention for knocking Kyrie back a few uh, months ago on the pod. Now, let me say this. I'm not 100% all the way there because I do, based on the reporting, based on the stories, based on the timeline of events, I do think that, in part, Kyrie trying to get the bubble to not happen, there's a there's a tenor of selfishness there in the fact that he wasn't going to be allowed into the bubble. And I'm not going to forget that. And if the overwhelming majority of his message was, hey, we don't need to be playing because there's more important things that we need to worry about, and then you hear so many players echoing that sentiment, it almost feels like, yeah, we probably dogged Kyrie a little harder than we should have. He's, it's hard to give him the benefit of the doubt because of some of the crazy things that he'll say. And that being said, it felt like we were hearing some of those messages from NBA players. So the NBA players believed that Kyrie was genuine. And so for me as an outsider, I have to take that at face, right? I, so I, I and I hear what you're saying, and I, I do appreciate like other perspective on it. I just, I, the strength of the boycott in the last however many days to me was because it was a boycott, right? And so if they never come back, it'd been like, well, what are they boycott? Like, they couldn't have boycotted Jacob Blake in the most recent, you know, uh, attempted murder at the hands of the police. Whereas if they had never played in the first place, I just don't know what it would, I assume it would have looked like the George Floyd thing. And I just felt like this was stronger. And so I guess that's where I'm coming from. But I, again, I, I could, I'm definitely 
able to be corrected on it. I have a very, very me perspective on it. Um, let me let me throw this at you, Parker. Are you questioning the power and potency of protest and boycotts? Because <laughs> well, if you I are, <laughs> <laughs> I am certainly not Bruce Arians. As a history teacher, I was infuriated <laughs> reading what Bruce Arians had to say. So if we go into other leagues, the NFL, the first team I saw doing anything was the D- Detroit Lions. Did you, see, did you see anyone before the Detroit Lions? No, Detroit was the first team I heard about. And then I did hear that, like, so, you know, I have my teams that I root for. So, like, I heard that the New York Giants actually didn't go out to practice for – they were about an hour late for practice because the players showed up early, and this was a conversation that they needed to have. So they were having it, and the new head coach of the Giants, uh, Joe Judge, was like, I'm not stopping this conversation to go practice. They're going to have this conversation until they're ready to practice. And they went out about an hour late and cut practice short. So um, I think that that might have been the day after, though. So I do think that Detroit right. was the first team that I heard. Well, and so I guess what what I was getting at is like you saw that Detroit do their thing, which was very public with cameras all over them, and I thought that was really strong. And again, when we were making lists of gold stars, there was a dozen or more gold stars I was trying to hand out before we decided this was going to be our lone thesis for the week. Um, and they had certainly earned one of them. Um, you saw, saw a handful of teams cancel practice early in the day on Wednesday, and by the end of the day on Wednesday, teams had canceled practice either Wednesday or Thursday one to kind of take a moment to reflect or to have meetings as teams or whatever. Then Bruce Arians comes out. <laughs> I assume he was going to get an attention from you, right? Like, I, I, um, I assume... oh yeah. If we had, if we again, if we had not decided to use this as our, our sole thesis this week, uh, Bruce Arians' quote was, "Your responsibility is to take action." So far, that's not so bad. Then the next part, I don't know if protest is an action. <laughs> uh, I think each guy has a personal thing. I would beg them to take action, find a cause, and either support. It financially or do something to change the situation because protesting doesn't do crap, in my opinion. I've been seeing it since 1968. So, can I just throw one oh interjection God. in here? I'll let you go off. I'm envisioning it being, I don't know, 1773, 1774, 1775, and Bruce Arians talking with the colonists and just saying, protest doesn't do anything. We need real action. Protest doesn't do anything. As they're throwing <laughs> yeah. tea in the harbor in Boston and like, this protest, this isn't going to do anything. It's like the most ridiculous. Literally, this country is founded in rebellion. This, this country is literally <laughs> founded due to protest and rebellion. And for protest him to say that it doesn't do anything, yeah. that it's not action, it's almost like he needed us as history teachers. Protest and rebellion in the most destructive of ways. Like they were burning down parts of town when the Boston massacre happened and they were tossing tea in the harbor and they like this <laughs> again could you imagine like red coat supporters coming in and being right. like you're just ruining the message because of all the property destruction you guys you're you're rioting is all that we're going to remember we <laughs> yeah. won't remember your protest right well the i don't know the king's army killed four people like well but does that mean you have to burn down half the town <laughs> um, <laughs> oh god so, all lives matter right like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well the king said no so this this quote's ridiculous for a number of reasons, but I, it's just the immediate contradiction of your responsibility is to take action, and then I don't know if protest is an action. Like, well, then what do you think this should do, parts? Like, what are you, you, you going to sit here and say? And to go to 1968 is baffling to me because I want to know, as a history teacher, when does he think civil rights started as a movement, and does he just, like, not understand that it led to the Civil Rights Act of 64 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And like, 
you could honestly argue that that's the first time 1965 is the first time that this country was ever any semblance of a democracy like does he not think that there was anything happening before all of that 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 it only happened since 1968 or like in the three years between 65 and 68 like what is he thinking about when protest is such a powerful action that our founding fathers added an amendment to the constitution to ensure that the government couldn't restrict it that's how powerful an action it is so when bruce arian says that protest isn't action or that protest if he tries to imply that protest is ineffective as much as any behavior that folks want to talk about being unpatriotic that feels unpatriotic almost like there's nothing more patriotic than protest and for folks who don't understand the foundation of this country for folks who don't understand the founding fathers and their sentiments in creating the documentation upon which this country stands more than 200 years later like protests is as foundational to the development and the formation of this country as it currently sits as any action that has ever been taken. And it is in fact constitutionally protected to ensure that protest and the power that comes from it can continue to be used as a tool. So Bruce Arians, you might not believe in the power of protest and you said, in my opinion, so you're entitled to your opinion and for you to somehow insinuate that if players in your league protested or boycotted, that that would be less effective than other actions that they could take. Like you're an idiot. You're just a fool there. Your personal perspective does not get to dictate what other players deem is appropriate action or appropriate response. This is a part of the problem with the NFL in general. Now, that's not the thesis for this pod, so I'm, gonna, I'm not <laughs> going to go down that road. But I will say this. It would be very difficult for me as a player to go play for Tampa if that's what Bruce Arians believed. And I'm curious as to how that's going to impact the dynamics in the locker room in Tampa Bay, especially because Bruce Arians is considered like one of the most progressive, open-minded, player-friendly coaches. Like This almost feels like it runs counter to the person who he has been up until this point. First guy to bring a woman in on his staff. He's been he, he allows players to be vocal and to express themselves. He's the guy who's telling his coaches, like, if you miss recitals, I'm going to fire you. You better make sure you're a part of your family's lives because that's more important than what we're doing here. Like, he's so progressive in the way that he thinks, and this feels so anti that. So I almost want more perspective from Bruce Arians. Like, I'm wondering if there's more to it than just this quote. Because, you know, the quote's a soundbite. Maybe if we could sit down and have him, you know, I would love for him to sit down with Doc Rivers and for them to have a uncomfortable conversation with each other because I think that could be a cool thing. Well, and it just – they're obviously two very well-respected coaches. Um, and I don't mean to, you know, poop on Arians too much because he is not the only coach that did this, but he certainly didn't like go sign Kaepernick when he was snatching up, you know, quarterback whisperer Bruce Arians did not go get Kaepernick when Kaepernick was available. Um, and so he, he is progressive in some ways, but when he was asked about Kaepernick in 2017, he said, I don't know, he's over 30 with a bad shoulder. It's like, well, you're not gonna work him out like, <laughs> like <laughs> to be fair i'll be to be fair to bruce arians and to I, I mean listen i'm gonna try to give people the benefit of the doubt in that 
that's got to be an ownership decision too. So like if owners tell you we're not going to sign this guy, Bruce Arians could have literally went to the owner and said, hey, I want to give this guy a shot. He's, and the owner could have been like, no way in heck, right? Is Bill Bidwell still the Cardinals owner? I think he is. I'm not 100% sure. But that he could have totally did that. And you, you, So anyway, I'm going to try to give the benefit well, of doubt a little bit just because of Arians' record, but I'm with you. And again, he was not the only coach or ownership group or team that took that stance. And so it, singling him out for that, when we're talking about a quote he just said, seems not fair because like we might as well talk about the stuff he just said. Um, it just it just baffles me. And I, I'm, sh- I'm somewhat ashamed as a history teacher that that's the narrative in this country of anyone, right? That like anyone is sitting here saying, what does a protest really do? It's like, oh my God, history teacher, we got to do a lot better, folks, because that can't be the takeaway from any <laughs> aspect of American history, right? Like there is no aspect of American history that you're like, well, what does a protest really do? Because as you pointed out, it's literally how the country started. Uh, as we kind of think about wrapping up here, there's one thing that I wanted to point out as well, which is really cool. The the MLB moved their Jackie Robinson day to this week because obviously they couldn't have it back in June when they normally would due to COVID. So the there were several games that were postponed, canceled. One that was canceled that I thought was really potent and powerful. The New York Mets played the Florida Marlins. So they were scheduled to play the Florida Marlins. Both teams took the field. They went through their warmups. They did everything that you would expect to happen for a baseball game. And at the start of the game, there was a 42 second moment of reflection for this Jacob Blake situation in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And then the players walked off the field and uh, Black Lives Matter shirt was placed over home plate. And there was just a lot of power in that moment to me for the players to go out there, go through everything and to say, we're not playing. And to leave the Black Lives Matter shirt to say, and just in case you're confused, this is why. I coach, I head coach the middle school football team, assistant coach the high school football team, right? And so I'm involved in digital practices for whatever that's worth on Wednesday afternoon and my phone is just blowing up and I'm sitting here with the text pumping up on the one side of my computer screen and trying to lead a workout in the middle and at some point it's near the end and I'm just like all right guys here's what we're gonna do and they all like the kids all said oh my god are you watching and like we we didn't really have a a like lesson on what was happening historically but like the conversation quickly became what you guys can go watch on, I forget if it was TNT or ESPN, but I was like, what you guys can go watch right now on TV is so much more important than what we're doing right now, right? Like what we're doing right now in this workout is not going to do, I mean, first of all, who knows where the case case of games are going to be in the next month anyway. And like, it, it just, this, this doesn't matter as much. And then it, it much more was personal, but like that I had, assistant football coaches on my middle school staff even that I don't know necessarily where they politically align. Like, and I don't mean to pass judgment. I just, I don't know that they would have agreed with it in principle. I, I would, I wouldn't have known that going in. We're very much like, yeah, kids, we'll hang up the call. You guys should go out. Like they were, they were all in support, right? Very quickly. And so like, shout out to those guys. And uh, I'm not going to put their name on a podcast cause I don't, I don't know, but that was, that was really cool for me. Um, and then the other thing that got me was I was worried about, some sports teams that I don't know in a very similar vein, right? How they would, where they would lean politically. And then to see 
several of them, including my Houston Astros. Like, I, I got to be honest, as of Wednesday afternoon, I was like, man, Houston will never postpone a baseball game. Like, the Rockets doing this is cool. You know, Chris Ball and Russell Westbrook talking together and getting the, the that game on the same page. This is cool. I just, I don't know that Houston will ever do this. On Friday, with Jackie Robinson Day, again, like you said, somewhat extra symbolic because of the Chadwick Boseman news that came out that night. They did a very similar thing. They did the warm-up and then went back inside, and they put a athletics jersey and an Astros jersey with 42 on them, the 42 side showing up, the number on the back showing up, on the two batters boxes and a Black Lives Matter t-shirt over home plate. Uh, like you're saying, very symbolic. Um, and I guess where I'm coming from there is I would have never thought Houston would do that based on the actions they've taken in the past. And I don't know if that shows that they're trying to be hip and trendy or if they're moving in a progressive direction. But either way, it was something I, I was proud to see happen that I never saw coming. And I also thought it was cool, and I know I'm talking a lot. I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot. Um, <laughs> that just like 10 days or two weeks ago, the Astros and Athletics were literally at each other's throats fighting, right? Like that was not that long ago that you had a bench-clearing brawl between these two teams. And that this moment, they put their jerseys in batter's boxes opposite one another and was like, we can agree on one thing. Like this is something super, super simple to agree on between these two clubs that were talking about each other's moms and fighting two weeks ago. You know, like that was that was an, an important moment. Like I literally thought, talking about each other's moms and fighting too. Like yeah, that's no, no, like no. I'm not. Yeah, um, and so I, I understand that they were a day late and a dollar short in some ways, and that they were the day after the Mets and the day after a few couple of teams had done it, but um, that. That, that they could come to terms with this, I guess, and, and two teams agree on something so powerful was was cool to me because my image of Astros A's until that had been two teams that are fighting about things. Friends, that is another edition of F in Sports. Format's a little different this week, but the world's a little different lately, so it feels like it's abundantly appropriate. Um, we talked Jacob Blake. We talked Sport Response. I mean, it's all over social media, so obviously you can go there and check those things out. Parker, you want to let folks know where they can hit you up on socials as they decide that they'd like to respond to us? Yeah, um, feel free to find me on Twitter and Instagram. I respond to my Twitter a lot, although as we're teaching more now, um, obviously that might be a it lot less. It happens so much less now <laughs> than I'm teaching. <laughs> um, but you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Painsworth512. That's at P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512. All together on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can also find our show Twitter handle uh, at FN Sports 2, like the number 2, F I N S B O R T S, number 2. All one word. I will respond with a dash P A. Shaco will respond with a dash C C, so you can know which one of us you're talking to. Once again, a lot less frequently than normal. <laughs> <laughs> but Shaco, we have an Instagram. Absolutely. You can find us on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. You can find my personal social media, my Twitter, my Instagram are both at Shaka Cummings at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. Friends, we're wrapping up. I'm actually about to go to an open house to check out a new house that I might move into. So uh, wish me good luck. I'm appreciating <laughs> all the prayers on the ends for this whole house hunting situation. But uh, please remember to like, subscribe, share. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. And please remember, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. <laughs>